0: your host of Modern Animism Radio. Welcome and thanks for being here. The wheel of the year is about to turn into autumn and it's got my attention. The weather is absolutely gorgeous here. It's just a perfect, flawless, almost fall day. And it's the perfect time to tune into the wheel of life again and do a check in. That's our topic for today. But instead of looking at the typical wheel from the perspective of Earth, we're going to look at it from the perspective of the sun and astrology. It's still animism, but for some of you, this may make more sense. For others, it can help you to see how things overlap and are related. So first let's give gratitude to the elements and the ancestors. Acknowledge and thank the lovely earth for our homes, our bodies, the harvest that will feed us through the winter, stability, a strong foundation, and all the sensuous things that make life in the physical body what it is. Acknowledge and thank the air. For the ability to think with detachment communicate clearly be inspired and share our ideas with you acknowledge and thank fire for warmth life purification desire and the drive to get up and go make create and do things with our lives acknowledge and thank water for making life on this planet possible for reminding us to flow for guiding us through our emotions, and for taking us into deep places to stimulate, scare, and help us grow. Acknowledge and thank the ancestors in the plant, animal, mineral, and human realms for all that you do that is seen and unseen. I've been the recent recipient of many blessings, so I want to acknowledge that publicly. Thank you so much for all that you've done and continue to do. I'm deeply grateful and humbled by the magic that goes on behind the scenes also want to thank all of you for tuning in. You know, speakers, listeners, it's about reciprocity. It goes hand in hand. Without you, there'd be no reason to talk. So we're a great team. <laughs> Thanks. If you benefit, you help us um, grow by sharing our podcast and donating to the program at buymeacoffee.com forward slash pansociety. <clears throat> okay. So we have a bunch of podcasts now on the wheel live. So, you know, why do we need one more? um (laughs) actually i it a stimulating topic and if you find a stimulating topic be sure to catch the others if you aren't if you weren't around when they were originally posted this one um today is about the astrological wheel of life and this one is every bit as rich as the earth wheel of life in fact there are lots of correspondences here that are great to know if you work magic or if you just want to make the seasons or lunar cycles more holistic and meaningful I'm not sure how I'm going to get into uh, all of that, but I really just want to talk about how the sun cycles. So don't worry, you don't have to be an astrologer. I'm not an astrologer, and trust me when I tell you that an astrologer can tell you a lot more than I can, so I'm going to keep it super basic, and hopefully anyone can follow along and understand. It's a really good way to make this practice um, practical. to do moon rituals checking in with the energy of the moon i do this rather than using what's happening seasonally because it's not always the same from year to year or place to place we have a virtual moon circle now because of covid and i might be in the strawberry moon meanwhile somebody else has no strawberries or maybe last year i had strawberries at this time but now i don't so it's not all that accurate a way to stay in touch with the seasons or the energies astrology works for everyone but do you whatever works for you is fine okay so there are 12 signs of the zodiac that make up the astrological wheel of life and they're each about 30 days long since it's a wheel there's no beginning and truly no end but we say that it begins in the spring with aries the whole wheel itself can represent the entirety of human experience so even though everyone was born under a certain sun sign the whole sky is within us we're also born under a moon sign a rising sign and the placement of the planets influence our nature and potential. So knowing where all the planets were when you were born will give you the best picture of you. Knowing where the planets are today will give you a good picture of where the overall energy is today. So you can use this specifically for you or for looking at where the energy in the universe is at any given time. Each of these 12 signs has both constructive and um, or desirable traits and destructive or undesirable traits. So one isn't better than the next. It's more about balance. So each one is either masculine or feminine and everything in the universe has gender and so of the sign. For that balance, we have a masculine sign followed by a feminine sign. And each sign has a balanced partner across the wheel. Uh, and this makes more sense if you're looking at it visually, but for example, Sagittarius is a masculine fire sign. It's balanced by Gemini, Gemini, which is a masculine air sign. These people tend to make really good romantic couples, too, because of that balance. The Pisces is a feminine water sign that shows up in the spring. Virgo is a feminine earth sign that shows up six months later in fall. So there's lots of ways that this wheel balances itself out. Okay, so let's put this wheel in motion. Like I said, it starts with Aries, and this is where the soul unites with the body and comes into physical being. It develops an ego and begins to understand itself as a separate being. So the first time around the wheel, we're moving from being one with everything to a physical separate being. No offense to Aries people out there, but think about what it's like to be a toddler. Just figuring out that you have a voice, you have a will, and you can make things happen. So especially that like terrible two stage where they're just getting into your independence, that's Aries. It's a fire sign. It's all about go, go, go. impulsiveness, self-expression, being assertive, forceful, bold, urgent, Aries has lots of courage. They can take initiative, be good leaders, and have a knack for survival. On the other hand, they can be aggressive, selfish, passionate, egotistical, and foolhardy. They're not known for being subtle. They tend to be what you see is what you get kind of people, and they can have no filter, like toddlers. So the symbol for Aries is the RAM, and they like to charge ahead. They can be persistent and headstrong. They like competition and they wanna win. They're not the greatest at being team players because of all these qualities. So Aries is about independence. Aries can be quick-witted and quick to make decisions. They're not detail-oriented people, but they're usually easy to be around because they don't really do moodiness or go too deep into things. Again, thinking of that toddler energy, Aries generally has a childlike naivete that takes the edge off and makes them approachable. This is somebody who works hard and plays hard. They can have problems with follow-through, though, and finishing things. Think of toys abandoned by a toddler. Excitement, danger, and those kinds of things are very alluring to an Aries. You know, I don't know about you, but I was really a a daring child. I I would do anything, run off a cliff. You know, (laughs) there's not a lot of stop to, to toddlers. Um, the constellation of Aries is shaped like a ram, of course. And in fact, the word Aries in Latin means the ram. You've probably heard of Jason and the Argonauts in their quest for the golden fleece. Well, the fleece is the ram's skin. So the story begins with the evil stepmother as usual. The stepmother was jealous of her stepkids and wanted them out of the picture. So she contrived to create a famine in the land. Then her husband, the king, sent a man to consult with the oracle in Delphi for a solution. And I know the stepmother bribed the man to say that the king needed to sacrifice his children to save the people. And the real mother sent a golden ram to rescue the children. And as they were flying over the sea on the ram, the girl child fell, and the place where she fell is named after her, so spot And the son, Phrixus made, made it safely to Colchis, and gratitude, Phryxus sacrificed the ram to his gods and gave the golden fleece to the king Aetes. And Zeus immortalized the ram's courage by placing him in the heavens. So that's how Aries got there. And now you can see the bravery and courage of Aries. So when the sun is in Aries, look for this type of energy trying to come out in you. It's time to be bold, take risks, see the big picture, be vulnerable and playful. Use your fire energy to do, go, say yes, and speak up. Be careful not to be too selfish, egotistical, or careless, though. So both desirable and undesirable aspects are in play. And if you need to get that childlike uh, energy happening for you, you know you need to get in touch with your inner child. going into Aries for that is super, super useful because they know how to do that really well. Uh, Taurus is the next one, so. In Taurus, the soul takes on substance and becomes a physical body. Taurus is earth, which is feminine. So we went from fire and masculine to earth and feminine. And this is a sign of the bull. Taurus is known for being stubborn, steadfast, productive, practical, thorough, secure, sensual, possessive, routine, patient, slow, hedonistic, materialistic, self-indulgent, and surrounded by beauty. This energy tends to be risk-averse and can get stuck in a rut, like all earth signs. On the other hand, they're very reliable, devoted to duty and obligations, and just overall loyal. They have lots of stamina and tend to be conventional, but are fun when it comes to enjoying music, good food, the arts, the sensuous, beautiful side of life. Taurus tends to accumulate wealth because of their slow, plodding nature. They do well with planning and organization. It's a really good blend. blend blah, I can't talk today. <laughs> blend of practicality and artistry. Tatars can be opinionated and inflexible, jealous and slow to forgive. And there is a story about how this bull got up in the sky. Of course, it's the story of Zeus and Europa. Maybe you've heard it. If you know nothing else about Zeus, you know that he was a cheating womanizer. Once again, he saw a beautiful woman and wanted to seduce her, but Zeus is a god. He didn't want to stun her with his appearance that he disguised himself as a white bull. And he was so beautiful that when he knelt down in front of her, she foolishly climbed on his back. And he took off with her to the island of Crete, where he turned back into himself and seduced her properly. She became his mistress, and he named all the land that they could see after her, and that place we call Europe, of course. And Zeus um, also placed his bull likeness in the sky to commemorate his conquest. And that's such a Taurus thing to do. So when the sun is in Taurus, it might be a great time to indulge in self-care, take time out for pleasure and enjoying beautiful things. Or maybe it's time to knuckle down and get disciplined if you don't have a lot of Taurus energy in you. Create some stability or cultivate abundance. All these energies are part of Taurus. And each time you go around the wheel, it could be a different thing that pops out for you. Once we move out of Taurus, we go into Gemini and Gemini wants to communicate. And this is a twin, so it's Castor and Pollux. Uh, it's an air sign and masculine energy. And the qualities of Gemini are things like adaptability, seeing both sides, duplicity, which is another aspect of that. So duality, versatility, cunning, superficiality, wit, engaging, charming, curious, childlike, two-facedness, capricious, fickle, symmetry, inquisitiveness, and moodiness. This is a sign that's most likely to be characterized as two-faced or bipolar because Gemini has two faces or two people, twins. So you never know which one you're going to get. Gemini is chatty and useful. They like practical jokes and they always tend to be busy. They don't like admitting that they're wrong. Uh, They do like to be stimulated and can be easily distracted. They generally have tons of ideas but are short on follow-through unless you've got some earth there in the chart somewhere. The Geminis can have a hard time with emotions and can do a lot to escape from them. So as I said, the twins in the sky represent Castor and Pollux, and these are the son of Leda. So one was fathered by Zeus, the other by her mortal husband, the king of Sparta. And the two twins had a lot of great adventures in Greek mythology. Among them is that they fought with Jason and the Argonauts for the quest for the Golden Fleece. And during a storm that threatened to sink their boat, um, they, with the help of the Argonauts, um, got through that little little challenge. So when they died, Zeus placed the constellation Gemini in the sky to honor them. So it's seen as a sign of good luck to sailors. And when the sun is in Gemini, the first thing you probably want to pay attention to is your communication. Or it could be time to shapeshift or stop shifting if that's your default. So because it can work either way. Maybe it's time to make friends with your moods or different faces. So the next Phase is cancer, and cancer wants to nurture others. This is a feminine water sign represented by the crab. Think of what crabs are like. They have a hard shell and can be defensive, sure. But like all water signs, they are deeply emotional. They swim in those waters. And they're um, natural nurturers You can be vulnerable, clingy, tenacious, ambitious, moody, protective, touchy, clannish, shrewd. Insecure, nostalgic, sentimental, manipulative, compassionate, tough, prickly, and full of self-pity. So you see how versatile any sign can be? Like Gemini, cancer can be prone to mood swings. It's because they care so much and feel so much for others that they can be out of touch with their own feelings. They're highly intuitive and fiercely protective and deeply insecure. So let's check out the story about the crab in the sky. You all know Hercules, right? Well, Hercules killed his wife and kids after his jealous stepmother, Hera, drove him insane. Hercules wanted to do penance, but jealous Hera stacked the deck against Hercules, like over and over again. It's really insane how crazy she is. Um, and she did this by making the task almost impossible. So you may have heard of these. They're called the 12 labors of Hercules. Well, one of them was to kill the Hydra, which was a um, fire-breathing monster with a lion's head and a body of many snakes, which was sent by Hera to torment Hercules' hometown. So she started it, and she's, like, just provoking the whole time. And the problem with uh, trying to kill him is that every time he chop up one of the heads, she grew back in its place. Okay, so if that were not enough, Hera created another obstacle by sending a crab to distract Hercules by biting his foot. So he's here trying to fight the hydra, and the crabs biting his foot. Hercules eventually does prevail and to remind Hera of her failure and to commemorate Hercules' victory because Hercules' father, Zeus, put the crab in the sky. So Hercules is is a uh, uh, love child. So (laughs) needless to say, Hera didn't like it too much. Um, So when the sun is in Cancer, it doesn't show in this story that it's probably time to nurture yourself. Let someone else nurture you or tend to your emotions. Leo, so we're back to fire again. Um, so those first uh, first three, is it three? Yeah, first three um, represents childhood. And now we're back to fire again. So we're going to the next phase, which is adulthood. And Leo wants to lead. Leo is a fire sign. So we're cycling through the elements a second time. And it's masculine. The symbol for Leo is the lion. and His key phrase is, I will. You can imagine that, you know, king of the, what is it, king of the animal kingdom? I'm not sure. King of the forest? Well, Leo is the king. Anyway. Leo is affectionate. Wants recognition. Is loud and likable. Think of the big lion's mane. They can be showy, regal, childlike, cheerful. So that's that childlike, again, the fire sign. Um, Conceited. Opinionated, naive, overbearing, benevolent, lazy, courageous, dramatic, sincere, strong-willed, energetic, domineering, dignified, impatient, warm, unrelenting, and a bit of a show-off. And the lion in the sky is the Nimean lion. You may have heard of him. He was in the forest of Nimea, eating animals and sometimes people. So he had to go. He was a nuisance. Unfortunately, his hide was so tough that nothing could pierce it. So Hercules' task with this is one of his 12 labors. So what did Hercules do? He entered the cave where the lion lived and strangled him. Hercules skinned him and began wearing his pelt. So you may have seen, if you ever see a picture of Hercules with the lion pelt around him, that's, that's where it comes from. So Harold wanted to humiliate Hercules and make him lose his father's love, but Zeus was so impressed that he put the lion in the sky to show Hercules' bravery. And that's actually another Leo keyword is bravery. So when the sun moves into Leo, it's time to show up, be seen, lead, and those kinds of things. So are you starting to see how each energy leads to the next? You can't get to Leo without starting at a place of Aries or the grounding and discipline of Taurus. So one phase feeds the next. And so after Leo, we get to Virgo, And Virgo wants to serve others. This is feminine earth element sign. And the sign is of the virgin or the maiden. So from the lion and the energy of shining, we move to a place of order, perfection, through paradox. Keywords for Virgo are things like service analysis. Virgo can look like an air sign because of this analysis. Efficiency. Perfectionism, conscientiousness, fruitfulness, fastidiousness, submissive, modest, efficient, nitpicking, narrow-minded, selfless, workaholic, grounded, and worried. They can struggle with the conflict between that natural, earthy sensuality and the desire for purity. Virgos tend to be neat, careful, critical, detailed, practical, modest, and unassuming. So River and the Sky could be two different maiden goddesses in Greek mythology. Um, probably the, the most likely fit, the best one, is Persephone. Um, and Persephone was kidnapped by her uncle Hades, who was god of the underworld. He wanted to make her his wife, but Persephone wouldn't even speak to him. So now mom, Demeter, was searching all over for her daughter, needless to say. Uh, enough is enough after a while, and Persephone's dad, Zeus, told his brother, Hades, that he had to send Persephone back. Unfortunately, they had this tricky law that said that you feed someone, they are a guest, not a captive. And since Persephone had eaten six pomegranate seeds, she had to stay. In her grief, mom withheld her fertility from the earth, and the crops started to wither and die. So this is the explanation of why we have seasons. And Zeus stepped in in order to compromise. So Persephone would spend half the year with her mom and half with her husband. And during the time that Persephone was in the underworld, nothing grew. When Persephone came back, everything blossomed again. So the relationship between mother and daughter of those who are death and rebirth, and interconnection and interdependence, hence the service. And this one can be confusing because we think of the Virgin as someone who has not had sex, but the old meaning in many languages is just maiden or young woman or unmarried woman. So this could even include unmarried mothers. So it's another way of saying a woman who is free and unattached. She's self-possessed and lives by her own morality and integrity rather than socially imposed rules. So when we see the paradox of Virgo in things like fertile or barren, maiden and mother, virgin and whore, it's all in this sign. And I love this because there are so many things in animism that aren't black and white. It's not either or, but and. So while Virgo might like perfection, life's not perfect. It's messy. you got to get out there and live it, and the process of living creates mistakes. And this desire for perfectionism is the catalyst for the change and service that Virgo is so good at. So when the sun appears in Virgo, it could be a time to be of service, come to a place of acceptance with paradoxes, or be your own person and live within your own integrity. I love that. Probably because I'm a Pisces, which is the other side of the wheel. So it's balanced by this Virgo energy. And from Virgo, we go to Libra. And Libra wants to be in relationship with others. This is about learning to compromise and adapt. This is an air sign. It's the only non-animate object in the sky. Isn't that kind of weird? That's Yeah, that's just kind of mind-boggling to me. Um, It's the scales. And this energy is about balance, and this makes sense because the sun is in Libra at the autumn equinox, right? And even though air is a masculine element, this sign is one that can be said to be androgynous because each one of each side of the scale, there's you know there's two scales, the balance. One is masculine, one is feminine, so they balance each other out. So the key phrase for Libra is I balance. No surprise. Keywords for this sign are things like adaptable, impartial. Balanced, peaceful, polite, reasonable, cooperative, relational, diplomatic, harmony. You can see these things are all related. To so Libra is also frivolous, indecisive, self-absorbed, insecure, and judgmental. In order for the scales to balance, you have to use discernment and judgment, and for that, we go to the myth of the Judgment of Paris. So these are all famous ones you probably heard. And in this story, Hera, Athena, and Aphrodite. We're all arguing over who was the most beautiful. Hermes, the trickster, gave Paris an apple to give to the one that he chose as most beautiful. And Paris isn't stupid, you know, he knows that no matter who he chooses, it's gonna be a bad thing. So he offers to split the apple into three pieces, one for each of them, but Zeus would not allow that. And the goddesses insisted that there'd be no backlash regardless of Paris's choice, and they all tried to bribe him with gifts. So Hera offered him riches and power, Athena offered him victory in battle, and Aphrodite told him that she should give him the love of the most beautiful woman in the world if he picked her. So, of course, that's what he did. Unfortunately, Helen, the most beautiful woman, was already married to someone else. See, there's all kinds of tricks to these things. (laughs) And that's what kicked off the Trojan War. So this is uh, kind of the symbol of the scales in Libra. It's all about relationships and how to keep them peaceful and fair. Libra doesn't like conflict. They don't like making choices, but it has to be done. There may be consequences, sometimes really drastic ones, but these are the things that force you to grow, find out who you are, and the struggle of relating when in love, when that in love feeling is gone, and you're in the day-to-day struggle of life, That's, that's what all that's about. So when the sun is in Libra, it's time to make choices, strive for balance, and learn how to relate in healthy ways. Uh, and the next one is Scorpio. Scorpio is about destruction and rebirth. So after you've got that uh, relationship down pat, you're go to you going to ruin it, tear it all apart. <laughs> this is a feminine water sign with the symbol of Scorpio. So like water, Scorpio goes deep. Any of the water signs can go real deep. Um, it's emotional and moody. So after relating comes transformation through desire. And in fact, the key phrase is, I desire for Scorpio. Keywords are things like obsessive, penetrating, death, destruction, creative, intuitive, jealous, hypnotic, emotional, spiritual, devoted, driven, secretive, turbulent, traumatic, transformative, vindictive, mysterious, magnetic, intense, intuitive, and creative. I really love the Greek story behind Scorpio, but I guess I should pause for a moment and say that the Greeks weren't the only ones who have stories about the constellations. They exist in mythology in many different cultures. These are just the ones I'm most familiar with, so that's why I'm talking about these. So the Scorpio story goes that Orion, the hunter, who's also in the sky, was going around killing animals for no reason. And Artemis, who is goddess of the hunt, sent a scorpion to sting him as punishment. When the scorpion was placed in the sky, it was far away from Orion so that they wouldn't battle anymore. And the moral of the story is, you don't kill animals for fun. Uh, The scorpion energy is similar to that of a serpent or a snake, as far as symbolism, you know. Um, Nothing's good or bad, but they all get a bad rap in Judeo-Christian culture because of their association with death. The creatures who are close to the other world and animism are generally seen as sacred because... They either usher people to the other side or are very close to it. So, yeah, they're they're really spiritual. Um, Scorpio energy is wild, dark, exciting, dangerous, transformative. It's about going into the subconscious to move through death and come out the other side. It's the whole tale of the Wizard of Earthsea, if you're familiar with that story, where we find out the monster we're battling is ourselves. That's totally the energy of Scorpio. And if we ignore it or use it to act from our shadow, we can stop living or become destructive. So as hard as it is, when Scorpio shows up, it's time to ask yourself, how am I accepting my darkness? Or am I accepting my darkness? You know, what needs to die? What needs to transform? How can I go deeper? Those types of questions. And after swimming in the deep waters and transformation through desire comes Sagittarius' quest for meaning. So now we're on the third leg of the wheel, hitting that fire again, and now we're going into um, old age and um, maturity. Adult, past, past adult, you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> um, Sagittarius is a masculine fire sign. The symbol is the archer. It's actually Chiron, a centaur archer, and he wants understanding. You know, what does it all mean? So Chiron's philosophical, open-minded, straightforward, optimistic, scholarly, bold, athletic, expansive, magnanimous. He's a master teacher. He's inspirational, enthusiastic, exploring, and freedom-loving. He can also be judgmental, blunt, argumentative, pushy, gluttonous, self-indulgent, and hot-headed. Love the story of Chiron, too. You're getting the sense that I, I really like Greek mythology. I think there's just so much richness in it. Um, uh, but Chiron was born of rape and Cronos who was a titan turned himself into a horse to run down his mother and rape and impregnate her so Chiron who is known as a wounded healer got his first wound by being abandoned by his parents so his father never met him he went away after the rape and was never seen again and Chiron's mother was so horrified by having a half horse half human baby that she abandoned him the Chiron's wound was the abandoning of his parents, but he was better known by the wound that would cause a different kind of suffering later. So Apollo fostered Chiron, and if you don't know, Apollo is the sun god, so he had a great childhood despite all of that. And um, Apollo taught him many things, including the healing arts. Chiron became a famous teacher for healing. And one day Hercules was being his clumsy self and accidentally pricked Chiron with a poison arrow. But since Chiron didn't die because he's an immortal, he lived on in agony. And Zeus took pity on him and put him in the sky where we see him as Sagittarius. So like Libra, we see the blend of energies with the half-human, half-horse. Uh, this is mental, intellectual energy that comes from being the human, blended with the animal instincts of the horse. Uh, it's also the wounding that makes you feel the suffering of life, but also gives you the wisdom and meaning if you work with it. So you see how we're moving into old age now? You need that. If you've done your work, you've cultivated some wisdom, hopefully. And the bow and arrow is another aspect of this partnership. You can't use one without the other. They have work to do together. Uh, Sagittarius likes to be free and untethered, but in order to create anything, you have to give it structure and ground it in the material world. So when the sun is in Sag, it's time to wrestle with that duality, figure stuff out, be adventurous, and see if you can make it all make sense. It's time to distill all that experience into something that gives life meaning. Use that pain and transformation of Scorpio for something. And after all that fire, Capricorn wants an ordered, stable society. So we often go from, well, I wouldn't say exchange, but at least 90 degree changes from where we were. And Capricorn is feminine, Earth with a symbol of a goat. And Capricorns are very industrious, and in the key phrases I achieve or I use. Capricorn keywords are things like ambition, organized, orderly, achievement oriented, business, callous, cautious, practical, productive, punctual, consistent, reliable, cynical, insecure, status oriented, stern, traditional, mean, sensible, miserly, dutiful, disciplined, worker be and down to earth. Now I just said the Capricorn is a goat, but it's actually a sea goat. Uh, This is another hybrid creature, so the goat part is earth, and the fish at the back end is water. And this is interesting to me, because unlike the Sag, which is earth and sky, so a balance of masculine and feminine, the sea goat is double feminine. And the myth around this one is about Titan Cronus, who was the father of the Greek gods of Olympus, and also the father of Chiron. Now, an oracle said that Cronus' children would overthrow him, and he didn't want that to happen, so once his, each child was born, he'd swallow them. And when Rhea, his wife, was pregnant with Zeus, she decided enough was enough. So she gave her husband a rock and a baby blanket, swallow instead, and sent the baby to be fostered by some sea And she sent along a special goat, Amalthea, to nurse him. Eventually, Zeus did overthrow his father and liberate the siblings. And one of his first acts was to place Amalthea in the sky as tribute to her and the sea notes who kept him safe. So that's a really sweet story, isn't it? Uh, and it makes sense to me that the last half of the year that have to do with we or relationships are dual in nature. It's always a balance of me and we when we're trying to relate to other people, right? And the goat has a reputation for being lusty, he's a symbol of fertility. But the sea goat is more ancient. It's a symbol for when life climbs out of the sea. So it's both the deep abyss as well as the mountains that a billy goat can reach. That's so cool, isn't it? And when Capricorn is at its purest, it's the expression of spirit within matter or living your spiritual essence while in your physical form. So it's about this process of you being your highest and best physical and spiritual self at the same time. It uses the wisdom cultivated by Sagittarius to its highest purpose which is to be totally practical and down to earth and fully human, while also being your enlightened spiritual self. So this whole I achieve thing is not just limited to what you can acquire like money and houses. It's holistic. It's about your whole being. And next is Aquarius, and this is a humanitarian who wants goodness and growth for us all. So Capricorn did all that work, and now Aquarius wants to share it with the world. So his key phrase for Aquarius is, I know. Um, which makes sense because he's air. And air is intellectual. Uh, other keywords are individualistic, humane, progressive, logical, scientific, independent, social, loyal, loving, intuitive, impersonal, radical, rebellious, impractical, cold, eccentric, honest, original, unconventional, technology, and friendly. Technology is kind of like thrown in there. Um yeah, it's not a quality, really, but, but Aquarius is somebody who who tends to use its technology very well. So the myth around this one involves another lusty story with Zeus. Imagine that. Uh, this time he's got the hops for a young man. So he brings him up to Olympus to pour the nectar and ambrosia for the gods, and Zeus places him in the heavens to honor his service. It's Ganymedes. Gany- Ganymedes? Gany- I think that's his name, Ganymedes. Um, so how does that story relate to the desire for goodness and growth in mankind? Well, for that, we go back to the flowing waters of Aquarius, which is actually a river, river of something more like prana or chi than water. So this one is the blend of spirit with intellect. It's about using technology and wisdom combined with spirit or energy to create that shift in consciousness that can take us to the next level. So you see how this, this is not the beginning. You don't do this in the beginning. You need all that other stuff to happen first. That's, that's why we call it a wheel um so it's about taking all that great stuff of capricorn seeing how it's all interconnected and woven within the fabric of life and facilitating that in some way for the good of all and this takes a lot of courage and grounding because it can feel like you're losing yourself to the whole it's like how big can your imagination go can you really believe that you're not your small self but the whole big creator itself so you me and we were all that and it's such an amazing idea it's big 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 I loved it um so this whole idea of I know isn't really intellectual even though we're talking about air energy it's a gut thing it's a true deep way of knowing versus a mental one it's a holistic one more so um so where do you go from there <laughs> you finish it up at Pisces and Pisces represents the end and doorway to a new beginning the end is always also the beginning the Pisces has the energy of all the signs and wants to return to oneness. And the symbol is two fish that are swimming like a head to tail, like a yin-yang symbol. And the symbol has been, and, and they're tied by a string. Um, and the glyphs looks like an H, same, same kind of thing. Uh, this symbol has been in use for at least 12,000 years. It's crazy, right? Incredible. And the key phrase is, I believe. Pisces is a water element and it's feminine. The key words. Are compassionate, caring, empathetic, understanding, introspective, feeling, charitable, intuitive, receptive, creative, imaginative, moody, pessimistic, unrealistic, artistic, spiritual, selfless, healer, timid, indecisive, bipolar, gives to get, and so manipulative. Um, There are lots of myths about Pisces, but we're going to stick with the Greek ones. And in this story, Aphrodite and her son were being chased by a monster. And they escaped by changing themselves into fish and jumping into the ocean. They tied their tails together so they wouldn't get separated. Zeus ended up killing the monster, and then they returned to their original forms. And Aphrodite put the two fish in the sky to show her gratitude for their help. So Because these fish are swimming in opposite directions, they're hard to pin down. Think of any Pisces. Do you know how they do that, you know? They're everything, really. They shape-shift, and they go deep into the unconscious that takes everything throughout time. Yeah, so it's, 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 when you say whole and one, that's, that's it, Pisces. <laughs> um, it's a bit scary because it can be extreme. It can go from light to dark in a blink of an eye. So Pisces lives on the edge of sanity sometimes. It's that close to heaven and hell, too. And the challenge is to embrace it. You can't get away from what is and repressing it only makes it stronger. So Pisces is about living a dialectical life where the opposites are friendly. It's the whole idea of complementary duality. So accept that you're ultimately free, yet bound. You're totally unique, yet very much the same. You're separate and you're not. Sometimes you have to go a little crazy to reach the height of enlightenment. So it's really a game of trust. Just hold on to your compassion, your sense of service and love, and you will find your way out again. It can look really, really crazy. A lot of people can't handle that Pisces energy. But, you know, it's in all of us, and, and our walk through life is to learn how to do it all. So it makes you afraid to walk out the front door, doesn't it? <laughs> if you think about, oh, I've got to do all that, um, it's quite a ride. And that's your life in its fullest. So could you imagine doing that every year? man, your growth would be incredibly accelerated. And you'd also probably be super exhausted. There's a whole lot more to astrology than this. This is just the tip of the iceberg. But perhaps you can see that the first six signs are about the self or me. The second six are about others or we. And the last one is about oneness or completion. And that is the perfect animus tool for the journey of life, if you ask me. Could we do this in moon circles? And I can say that it helps to have others along the path with you. You get to see how it's unfolding for them. You can learn from their experiences so that you don't have to personally experience everything. Or sometimes they're a mirror for you to make sense of your own experiences or to see the things that you are missing. I hope that you're starting to see the wheel of life everywhere. It's symbolic. It's in everything. And I think the trick is just finding one or one symbol or one way of looking at it that resonates with you and committing to learning it and working with it. Um, it's never uh, mastered. It's always growing. It's always teaching. Um, it's it's just a really fascinating tool. And I like this one because as above, so below. So it's just so expansive and flexible, as they all are. Um, love to know what you think. That's it for this week. I'm, You know, send me your comments. If you want to support, of course, send your donations online from our website at pansociety.net. On the bottom of the page, you'll see a little coffee cup. Click it. And we'll see you next week, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.